You're listening to the Answer Man podcast. So we had talked the other day of kind of some stuff that's been happening in the news recently, mm-hmm. and you were talking about the Bill of Rights specifically having to do with it. Correct. Because today there seems to be a uh, attack on the Bill of Rights, mm. uh, specifically on freedom of speech which has been building actually for years. The speech codes on college campuses were preliminary to what's happening now in a sense. Can you expand on what those speech codes were? Uh, Well, they had areas that you could be uh, expelled from a university for saying things which were determined to be hate speech, which could be as uh, as an example, uh, uh, saying something negative about homosexuality or uh, disapproving of abortion. Uh, those are the two that come up the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, anything that they hinted of racism would be included in that also. Gotcha. So yeah, just so, automatically. So there are certain categories of. Uh, uh, expectations for people that, that you, you could not say anything that dis- was perceived to be disparaging about certain positions on social issues in particular. Mm. Okay. And uh, that was, you said, a while ago? That that's that been in the works for probably the last decade. Okay. And then to where, yeah. where we're at now. And now, now it's expanded to society in general. Uh, partly because those college students back then are now people in positions of authority now okay. and they've been trained in that mindset hmm. so that now <clears throat> they they want to keep a, a, anyone in society from saying certain things hmm. <clears throat> so what's the big um, I guess issue or the kind of scary thing about that well, I think of the, the most recent and most um, um, forceful attack has been this idea that came up in Congress this week where they are having a, a hearing on whether Congress should pass a law uh, deplatforming Fox News and Newsmax. And there's one other news agency, I can't remember the name of it. Hmm. Okay, these three, because they include in their news programming information that is contrary to the accepted norm among the, the elite in, in society right now. Mm. Uh, if, if, if they say anything in support, we'll say, of the idea that the election, past election, wasn't necessarily all um, conducted in a way which was fair and equitable. Okay, if you say something like that, then, then, you're, then you're contradicting the given, uh, the given position of those in that elite class. And they don't like that, they don't want to hear that, they say that's, that's destabilizing of society. Hmm. We can't have that, okay? Uh, if they say anything about the, uh, the coronavirus, for example, I say, oh, this idea that hydrochloroquine was an ex- was a reasonable treatment 
then then you you're 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 uh, diverting from what is the the uh, accepted position, hmm. and we can't have that. All right, the vaccine's the only option, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there there are certain things that, that have become acceptable to the to the actually what we would call the governing class right now. You cannot say things contrary to the accepted position, or you need to be uh, deplatformed. Uh, canceled is the right, the right, the cancel basic culture. Term. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and that that is a direct attack on the First Amendment. Hmm. I mean, I mean, you think about the the First Amendment says that, that the the Congress will make no laws respecting uh, the freedom of the press. Well, if you're going to make a law deplatforming two or three news organizations, what have you done? Right. How, how can you defend that in light of the First Amendment unless you've decided the First Amendment no longer applies? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that's, the, that's the condition, the state in which we find ourselves right now. You, we, we will, those who oppose the free expression of some of these ideas will re-evaluate uh, and, and re-interpret the First Amendment, for example, to make it what they want it. Hmm. So that their argument aligns with it. So, so, they, so they, they feel justified in taking a course of action which historically would never have been tolerated. Hmm. That's really, really interesting. Kind of scary. It's scary in the sense that uh, the, 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 the society that we grew up in, even up until the last decade pretty much, is you, you can see it being wiped away. Hmm. You can actually see it. And of course, those of us who are old, <laughs> we can see it in a much probably more uh, forceful way than a younger generation would. We've spent 50, 70, whatever years living in a, in a nation where freedom of speech was protected at all costs. Even the freedom of speech we didn't really like was protected. Like what? Oh. Give me an example. Well, I remember the, a Supreme Court case that came up when we were in college. Your grandma and I were in college. And it was in San Francisco. San Francisco was, was the was the cutting edge of societal change at that point in time. Hmm. And they had just started what they called topless dancing. Interesting. Okay, yeah. And in <laughs> fact, it was so blatant that they had these, these outdoor glass enclosures in which they had dancers on the, along the streets. Wow. So to attract and entice people to come, you know? Huh. Well, somebody filed suit saying this is a... This is a pornographic or whatever the term they use. I can't remember exactly, but mm -hmm. this is this is a destroying of society standards. Mm. Okay, but these businesses responded by saying, "No, this is protected speech by the First Amendment." Well, actually, nobody's actually speaking, but they're performing, and so they classified this sort of a, well, this is a performing art, which is under the umbrella of speech, and the Supreme Court says you cannot deny them hmm. the right to do this. This That would be violating their First Amendment right of freedom of speech. Hmm. Okay. 
well, most, you know, those of us who were from a conservative Christian background, and most of the people said, I can't believe the court would say that. Yeah. Hmm. But the court said, we, we must protect the freedom of speech no matter what form it takes and no matter how offensive it could be. Because it did offend the majority of society. But it was protected. Now, we've come to the point that if you say something that offends anyone, it's no longer protected. Hmm. See how different that is? Yeah, yeah. So with that, uh, you kind of mentioned like hate speech and all that. And obviously, mm -hmm. you know, where where is maybe, I guess, the parameters of that? You know, because obviously, we don't all agree on everything. And yes. so what somebody might find offensive to you isn't, you know, where, yeah. where do we fall on that? And that is, that is the, uh, the question which has no answer at this point in time. It's open to interpretation. Whoever is in control, whoever has the most power at the moment, they decide what hate speech is. It could be carrying a Confederate flag. Right, yeah. Uh, and, and actually, there are people who believe that that the Confederacy had some good points, you know, that the idea that maybe the national government, the federal government, was assuming too much power and it was not abiding by certain constitutional principles. And the, and the Southern states had a right, therefore, to disassociate themselves, mm. to secede. Mm -hmm. And maybe, maybe in their mind, carrying the flag has nothing to do with slavery or racism. Okay. But it's interpreted by somebody as having that connotation, and therefore it's hate speech. So the, the idea of hate speech now has become, it's not what you mean by what you say, it's about how I receive what you say. Hmm. Which you can't exactly. control that. You have no control, and, yeah. and it can change from moment to moment. Hmm. And it's, it's exceedingly dangerous. I have no right of a freedom of conscience then. My conscience is bound by what you think. Hmm. And right now that's what the federal government is wanting? Is that what... Well, it's, it it's, it's, a, it's the progressive side of, of government that's, that's seeking to impose that, yes. Uh, as we said, in Congress, the, they have, a, they have this, uh, this hearing on whether they're going to deplatform news agencies which say things that they do not agree with. If their interpretation of what is said is hateful to them, it's destructive in some way to them, therefore, you no longer have the right to say it. Hmm. So where would that put us down the road as a country if we continue to It's progress? a step in the direction of totalitarianism. Like communism? Communism is a totalitarian system. Okay. It's not the only one. Okay. It is a totalitarian system. And if you, I guess... We would debate that at a different time as to where this would ultimately take us. But the, the fact is you start taking away any of the elements of the Bill of Rights and you're heading in the direction of totalitarianism. Hmm. Uh, we had, an, uh, you might have been in Texas when a pastor, I can't remember, was Houston or Dallas, was arrested for what he said in a sermon. Okay, he said something, he was on a passage that dealt with homosexual things. Mm. He commented on that. The mayor 
somehow the, got to the mayor, the mayor had him arrested. Wow. Okay, hate speech. <laughs> of course, the court said you can't do that right. to the mayor, right. and he was released, but that's what, that's hmm. where you're headed. And is that not, if you control a person's religion, right. religious practice, what you believe religiously, is that not totalitarian? Certainly well, it's is. It's definitely not, you know, freedom of religion. Yeah. And that's another First Amendment issue, right? Mm -hmm. Congress shall pass no laws uh, affecting the establishment of religion or the practice of religion. Mm -hmm. Which so, could... so, you've, so you've taken that one away. Right. And then this, we just talked about taking free speech away and freedom of the press away. Why, my goodness, you are destroying yeah. democracy. And it seems like it's not that, you know, that this is, is happening towards only people who think certain ways. It's not to everybody, right? Because, like, those examples um, it were more towards, like, a, a Christian, you know, church, a Christian pastor, right? But is that happening mm -hmm. to a Buddhist monk or, in, you know, a Muslim, you know? That's very interesting you ask that because Buddhists tend to want to stay away from that kind of controversial discussion. They want to maintain a, uh, a, a um, harmonious environment and whatever cost almost. Mm -hmm. The Muslim is very much opposed to say homosexuality. In fact, in Muslim countries you can be executed for that or certainly imprisoned. Right. Okay, but Nobody is complaining about them. Yeah. It's, it's directed more, mostly at Christianity because Christianity is viewed as the enemy by the progressive mm. movement. And why, why is that? It's traditional American values. I think that's the reason. I have no you know, reason. I, I can't prove that. I just, my sense is that it is it's a connected with traditional white America. And therefore, it's it's uh, to be frowned upon and rooted out, probably. Mm. Because that's not what in twenty twenty one modern America isn't traditional white America. Is that kind of the conflict? We want to in a lot we want to eliminate traditional white America. Yeah, mm. uh, because that traditional white America opposes abortion as a rule. Uh, we, we have been, uh, we're connected, however it's erroneous, but it's connected sometimes to white supremacism. That it, it isn't truly connected in any way. Mm. Uh, however, you, know, you go back to the 1920s, the KKK tried to associate itself with Christian America. Mm. Interesting, okay. Uh, and maybe that's where they get the idea of this connection, but that was the KKK's attempt to make itself acceptable. Uh, but there are, there are all kinds of groups over the years that tried to connect themselves with Protestantism and successfully presented themselves as part of the Christian church when they really weren't. Yeah. I mean, most people have no idea what truly what biblical Christianity is about. And so anybody who stands up and says they're a Christian and points to the Bible in some way or other they accept that as being 
Christianity when it really is not at all. Hmm. Yeah. So the Bill of Rights, when it was first created, what was the thinking of we need to create something that would become the Bill of Rights? Okay. The Constitution is written up and presented to the states for ratification, to be accepted as a new form of government. Well, many Americans looked at that and they said, wait a minute, this gives too much power to a national government. We're not sure we want to submit ourselves to a government with that much power. Mm. We just got out from under the British government and we're not anxious to go back into anything like that. So it appeared as though the Constitution could easily be rejected by the states. And those who opposed it said, one of our objections is that this document does not specify the liberties of the citizen that are going to be protected. It cannot be abridged by any national government. Okay? okay. So, those who supported the Constitution said, you might have a point there. We'll go back and we will guarantee that in Included in the Constitution will be these specific designated liberties for every citizen. Okay, so they draw them up. There were more than 10 in it originally, I think. They concluded on 10 amendments to add to the Constitution that, that generally speaking, the populace said, okay, you've done a good job here. You have protected our liberties. And now, if that's part of this Constitution, we can accept it. Hmm. Okay. And uh, so, that's, as soon as the Constitution was adopted, Congress met, they added the Ten Amendments, as they said they would do, and we have the Constitution of today. Hmm. So the Bill of Rights is part of the Constitution. Yeah, it was not the original dot draft, but it was, the, it was added at the very beginning, hmm. first year. Okay, and it's made up of 10, or has that expanded since the well, original? Well, it's expanded since then, okay. but the, the additional amendments don't deal with specific rights of citizens in the way the first 10 do. Okay. They, were, they had a particular objective that was, uh, that was expected and demanded by the people of the various states if, if they were going to live under a new constitution. Hmm. Gotcha. So these, after the first 10 then it, is it like based off of maybe certain people groups or? After the first 10, it's based on needs that arise that we sense. For example, we had a, early on, we had a system under which there was a, a presidential election was held where you had candidates for president, no candidate for vice president. The person who got the second most votes for president became vice president. Hmm. We found out as soon as political parties developed, that this could be a problem. You could have, a, at that time, a Federalist president and a Democratic Republican for vice president, and they could be right. at odds. Or, yeah. Okay, so the, for, they made an amendment, added the amendment saying, we will have a, a, a ballot in which president and vice president are separate. Hmm. And uh, so we eliminate that potential clash yeah that you're gonna vote for both yeah yeah 
So that's the kind of thing that comes up. If people realize that there are parts of the system that needs adjustment. Mm. And if, for example, later on, we said, oh, well, maybe we should have women voting. And so amendment for women's voting is added. Gotcha. We start off this conversation kind of like, okay, there's something not good happening right now. So for, for us as American citizens, how do we move forward with this? What's the best way to handle it? Is there any course of action? Things of this nature. Well, we always assumed that the Supreme Court would be the arbiter when we ran into issues that uh, where laws were being passed that maybe the citizens, portions of the citizens thought were inappropriate or unconstitutional, they weren't in line with the Constitution. We always felt that the Supreme Court would work that out. But we have, we've run up against a, uh, a wall, in a sense, just in the last few years, where people have presented suits against laws that were passed. They went to the Supreme Court, and either the Supreme Court said, we won't hear that case, or somehow political interests caused the Supreme Court members to vote in certain ways, and we couldn't figure out how they came to the conclusion they came to. It didn't seem logical or in line with the Constitution. Hmm. So now people are questioning, is that a reasonable expectation that that's our final line of defense? And so the, the, what has been proposed is, the, the new thinking that's starting to gain steam now is, we need a new constitutional convention. To almost rewrite a new constitution. To con reconsider the form of the constitution, yeah. Wow. Instead of changing how we are to Instead the constitution. Instead of an amendment to the constitution, yeah. we need to rewrite maybe the whole document. Hmm which has its positives and its negatives, <laughs> depends on who gets control of that convention, right? Mm -hmm. As to how it's written, right. what changes might be made. And so it's, it's a pretty frightening thing to think you're gonna take your constitution and say, well, maybe we can rewrite something here and improve on it. We may improve, we may actually destroy what we have. Hmm. Who knows? Hmm. Uh, but the, the movement to have a constitutional convention is, is uh, uh, being pushed by a conservative side right now. Okay. And and what's because their... they think the government has assumed way too much power, the federal government. Hmm. Uh, and I, I agree with the fact that our federal government, if you compare it, the power it exerted in let's say mid 18 late 1800s to what it exerts today and you say wow that's a whole different ball game we're in now the government does control so much more in way of our everyday life than it did then yeah uh, which is interesting because you know congress and the house they're made up of state representatives yes people from the states right yes. so is it you would think that those people would be more so wanting to focus on their state. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? You would think so. Yeah. Hmm. And that was the objective, to, that these people would come to 
Washington, D.C. to Congress and represent the interests of the people that had elected them. Mm -hmm. It appears that that's not happening a whole lot anymore. Mm. They get to Washington, D.C. as elected officials and they begin listening to lobbyists and people with money and they start being convinced to follow a certain line of interest for these powerful groups that have their ear. Mm. And they forget what the people who elected them actually said they wanted done. Mm. And uh, which is, we, we've flirted with the idea of term limits for people in Congress. Right, because right now there isn't. No, right. you, some people have been there 40, 50 years. And yeah, they've forgotten what state they come from, maybe by then. Who knows? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, hmm. So, you know, there are various things that have come up as a response to this sense that people who are elected to Congress are not actually representing their constituents. But we haven't found a solution for it yet that has actually been implemented and seems to work. Uh, that is an ongoing problem. The thing that's going on right now, and has been going on for 20 years or so, is the Second Amendment debate, mm -hmm. the right to bear arms. Right. And it was so funny watching a, a lady who's in Congress right now presenting her bill to limit the uh, possession of weapons she was standing up here saying she had held an AR-15. She has a big, heavy weapon. She said it, it's like carrying a couple of boxes when you're moving around your house. She's going like this. And, said, and not only that, you should see the, the bullet you put in there. It's a 50 caliber, a big old thing. Well, she's totally has no idea what she's talking about. Yeah. She's obviously never actually held one of those weapons. It's not anything like that. It does, it's not a 50 caliber. It's much, much smaller than mm -hmm. that. So she, but she's promoting, controlling the ownership of weapons based on totally erroneous information, which is not uncommon for those who argue in favor of they, they talk about all the mass shootings of people, and we're gonna control automatic weapons because that's how it happens. Well, no, most people aren't killed. Very few people are killed with automatic weapons. Mm. It's pistols for the vast majority of them. Mm. Uh, but anyway, that's sort of beside the point. The, the Second Amendment says that Congress cannot pass a law which, which prohibits the citizen from bearing arms, a rifle, a pistol, whatever. And the reason for that was actually stated in writing by Thomas Jefferson. He says, and it, it corresponds to the statement in the, in the Second Amendment that we might maintain a free government as opposed to tyrannical government. The reason the citizen is, has the right to bear arms is to protect himself against his government. Hmm. Not to hunt, not for skeet shooting or whatever, you know. Yeah. It's to protect yourself against your government. Uh, the, the citizenry who has no ability to defend themselves is under the absolute control of their government. Right. Government can do whatever it wants, and it will.
So we're talking about an insurrection on January 6th, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> a quote, armed insurrection. Mm -hmm. Have you heard that term? Yeah. You know how many weapons were there? How many? None. The only weapons were the police officers. Really? The people who entered the, the Capitol building, who should never have done that. Right. That was foolishness. But they weren't carrying weapons. Uh, we're use, we use false arguments to argue against the right to bear arms. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the progressive movement is, is fearful that Americans, as long as they possess weapons, will have the ability to resist totalitarian control by their government. And that is true. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you disarm them, and then you can control them much more easily. Right. Like, like you're saying, it's like the false argument where it's like, Okay, you know, I've heard the argument on the other side, well, if, you know, law-abiding citizens are going to obey the law, you know, but people, in most of the cases, not most, but some of the cases where they are, these are mass shootings or where people are killed by gunfire, it's like a stolen weapon, right? It's something where they didn't mm -hmm. go about the legal way of obtaining a gun, right? Yeah. And yeah. so, um, what do you think about some of the arguments for some, um, like, okay, you should uh, have to register your guns or like you shouldn't like maybe, you know, limiting the type of gun that somebody could have. Is that still maybe like starting to dabble in taking? Well, it, there's always this principle that you give them the first step of control and they will automatically take another step, another step, and another step. Mm. Okay, uh, so register, register gun owners. That gives the the government uh, the knowledge of every person who owns a weapon legally. Legal, right. yeah, legally. Got good point. And therefore, if it comes a point where they want to confiscate, they know exactly where to go mm -hmm. and who to take them from. Mm -hmm. Right. So that that's. An argument against that, I think, and I think it's a valid argument against it. Mm -hmm. um, the idea that you could you should pass a law on uh, the type of weapon. Well, we already actually have a law against automatic weapons. You're only legally allowed to own a semi-automatic, which means every time you pull a trigger around the fire, you can't yeah, pull the trigger it. back and let it go. Okay, so. That's already in place. Uh, when people talk about, oh, we, we've got to outlaw military-style weapons. Well, military weapons are automatic for the most part. Mm. So when you have only semi-automatics legal, you've already done that, basically. Mm. Uh, limiting the magazine size. Well, if you have a semi-automatic weapon, it doesn't really matter. Right. Uh, you carry one magazine, which holds 40 rounds, or you carry four magazines that carry 10 rounds. What difference does it make? Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's not a solution to any problem, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the other issue of uh, how many rounds of ammunition you can own at one time, 
the only uh, advantage in that kind of a law, again, is that you are you as a gun owner are limited in your ability to respond if you actually had a need to protect yourself against your government. Hmm. So it limits your, uh, your, your ability to be effective as an opponent to a tyrannical hmm. government. And that, that's why they want it, I'm sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any gun, Grandpa? I can't tell you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess you'll have to say no comment on that yeah, one. <laughs> I, I do, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I have a, uh, a rifle that my dad owned. Hmm. And I have a rifle that I was given as a child. I know people who have half a dozen oh, yeah. military-style weapons. Interesting. <laughs> you won't and, name names. Yeah, I, I, every time I talk to somebody and the subject comes up, they're saying, yeah, I'm talking. I'm thinking about going out and buying an yeah. AR-15 or something like that. <laughs> yeah, because uh, they're, they're concerned right. about what's, right. what's happening. Well, I, I think I had heard... Uh, even when I was in California, that, um, you know, there was like a shortage of guns because in this last year, in 2020, a lot mm -hmm. of people went out and were purchasing. That's right. Stores couldn't keep them stocked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, obviously it just shows maybe the other side of maybe people are fearful of this happening or. Right. If you don't get it now, right. there may be a law passed tomorrow and you can't get one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, and it is tragic that Americans feel that way, I think. Mm. You know? uh, I, the argument against, by the way, gun control, you stop and think about, uh, go back 100 years. How many people owned weapons? I don't know, a lot? I would Virtually think. everybody. Yeah. I was telling mom, I was, I was thinking about uh, back when I was in high school. Okay. When I was in high school, I went to school in the parking lot. There weren't very many kids who drove cars then, you know, mm. but there were some boys who drove pickups to school. And you would see, in some cases, a gun rack in the pickup and a rifle on the rack. Mm. And nobody thought anything of it. Yeah. Huh. Nobody, I'm guessing, like, nobody was trying to take it or... Nobody tried to steal it. Yeah. And there were no school shootings. Huh. Okay. Life was a little bit different then. Mm. Everybody who, I mean, people had weapons all over the place, but they didn't use them the way we since see people using them today. Mm. So what do you feel like the difference is? What's changed over this decade or 100 years, like you said? <laughs> well, what's changed? People's sense of security more than anything else, probably. That less security now or? Less secure. Yeah, uh, back at that period of time, back say when I was high school again, uh, you didn't bother to lock your house usually when you left. You didn't feel the need to do that kind of thing. Uh, you might leave a door open for the mailman or the milkman, somebody to drop stuff off. Hmm. Uh, 
in in uh, elementary school, I can remember you would we'd walk to school, all the kids walk to school, no no buses in my town. Parents never thought about driving their kid to school and picking them up. Really? No, you walk to school. I as a second, third, fourth grader, I'm walking to school alone so like pretty eight, much. Eight, nine, ten. Yeah. Yeah. And their kids, you know, all along the streets walking to nobody worried about something happening to them. Hmm. Because society was different. Hmm. The mindset of society. People were essentially thoughtful. There were I mean, obviously there were criminals. Right. It's not like but they not the, the kinds of things that are going on today didn't happen. And, and a huge part of it is, uh, you know, so we set out in the 60s, not we, certain elements of society, set out in the 1960s to change society. And it had to do with the sexual revolution. It had to do with a political change in mindset. Uh, it had to do with the uh, expulsion of Anything Christian from the public schools, and uh, there was one other thing I was thinking too that had it was connected to that, which I've forgotten now. But anyway, there's a whole diff whole series of parts to our understanding of how we saw society and how we saw life were changed in. And uh, as a consequence now, society doesn't know where it's at and where it's going. Mm. And I think that's, that's the unsettledness, the unsure sense of people, insecure sense that leads to all kinds of the conduct we, and the events that we see happening in mm. society. So it almost sounds like in the 60s there was a values shift. That's a great way to put it. Okay. That is exactly what happened. And that was mainly from those who were in government at the time? No. Okay. It was it was from uh, it was from college students primarily. Interesting. And it was that, that, that generation, that period of time that they uh, uh, it it could be uh, uh, identified as the Beatles generation. Because okay. that's when they came on the scene, mm -hmm. actually. Mm. And uh, Hairstyles change, you know. Uh, music all of a sudden now is dealing with drugs mm. and sex instead, you know, in ways none of that had ever been part of it before, really. Okay. Uh, knew the uh, couple of the Beatles' most popular songs dealt with uh, Hinduism and Buddhism, you know, Eastern religions, mm -hmm. trying to introduce that into the American mindset, mm -hmm. Western mindset. And they effectively did it. Uh, so uh, all all kinds of things begin to shift. Uh, we have the free speech movement on college campuses, UC Berkeley in particular, where they have every day thousands of students out in the street, or I should say thousands of adolescents in the street. They weren't students all of them. A lot of them were just young people that gathered, hmm. wanted to be part of the scene. Yeah. And you, you uh, the, the streets around Berkeley, you couldn't even drive a car down because they're just packed with all these young people, just 
smoking marijuana and protesting, <laughs> you know, all kinds of stuff. Mm. And uh, trying to disrupt the order of society as it had been up to that point. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Um, not to get into this too much, but just since we're talking about that, kind of, okay, so we know that America was set up on Judeo-Christian values. Not all mm -hmm. of it, you know, but that definitely mm -hmm. had a big impact on that, it. That was right? the foundation. Okay. Yeah. And so, even if you're not a Christian, um, you know, I feel like there's an, a good argument to say, okay, if you look at Christian values, even if you're not a Christian, there's still moral things. There's still things that are good. And I think that so many things in our society, people don't even realize came from scripture, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, treating other people, you know, as you want to be treated, the golden rule, you know, all mm -hmm. these things, right? Um, and so it's just interesting that, yeah, there has been a push to kind of get away from Christianity in our society. Maybe not understanding that a lot of these values, you know, came from Christianity. Yeah, yeah. And those are the values that held society together. Hmm. We wonder why there's so much division in society today. You know, this group pushes that group away. This group's in conflict with that group. Uh, and part of that is because we have stripped away the values that once we held in common mm. and held us together. Mm. Uh, yeah, the, the founding fathers, some of them were Christians, devout, some of them were pastors of churches. Mm. Some of the men who wrote actually did the writing of the Constitution. Some were uh, theological uh, instruct teachers in theology of theology in schools hmm. like Princeton wow. and Harvard. Uh, but not all of them were. Plenty of them were just common uh, secular people. Hmm. Benjamin Franklin was he was no Christian hmm. by any means, hmm. uh, but he's a very important person. And when he finds when he finds that there is uh, division and conflict within the Constitutional Convention, his recommendation is they pray, even though he's not a Christian. Hmm. Which tells you how much pervasive Christian attitudes hmm. there were, whether a person was a, was a, a uh, believer in biblical Christianity or not. Hmm. The attitudes of Christianity still pervaded, mm. and uh, George Washington warned us when he left office that says that your nation is based on morality. You can't have this kind of free nation, de democratic nation, without morality, mm. and you can't have morality without Christianity. He said. So if you start to take away Christianity, you're going to destroy the morality of the nation and ultimately destroy the nation itself. And I think you can actually see that happening right now. Yeah. I know it's kind of like, oh, almost like a <laughs> prophecy being yeah. fulfilled, you know, yeah. unfortunately. Mm -hmm. so. Cool. Well, I think we got a lot. Okay. Cool. Thank you, Grandpa. You're Thanks for joining the conversation on the Answer Man podcast. We'll see you next time.